You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I am Dave Cover. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament book of Acts has always been one of the times when Paul is talking about Jesus' appearance to him. And so there are a few places in the Bible where he tells the same story, and the time he tells it in chapter 26 says stuff that Jesus says to Paul that is not in the other accounts. Let me just read the account, read the whole thing, and then I want to talk about some things, and then I want to show you why this is a passage that's a good passage to meditate on, a good passage to have a quiet time in, as so to speak. You know, you sort of... A quiet time is when you're just sort of meditating on Scripture and meditating on God and His promises to you, and you're praying those those promises. You're praying that Scripture back to God. Acts 26, 12 through 18 is one of those passages, has always been one of those passages for me, and I think you'll see why. Uh, let's go ahead and just read the account again of Jesus' appearing to Paul. Paul says, On one of these journeys I was going to Damascus, with the authority and commission of the chief priests. This is before Paul was a believer. This is when Paul was persecuting the church. This is when Paul was fervent about persecuting Christians. He would go into homes and drag out parents. You can imagine the scene might be a scene a lot like takes place with the Taliban in more extreme religious environments where the Taliban might go in and get rid of those who are unfaithful to the orthodoxy of their Islam, their version of Islam. And in a sense, Paul, as a Pharisee, is doing that with Christians, doing that with those who are followers of Christ. He sees them as unorthodox, dangerous people that are going to bring God's judgment upon Israel because of their idolatry. So he is fervent about persecuting them. He is involved in some cases where they're being put to death. So he's uh, terrorizing Christian homes, dragging out parents, kids crying, sending parents to prison, having some of them probably executed. Uh, and uh, so we read, in, again, in verse 13, about noon, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. So that's, that's a bright light. Blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. His companions fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, that's the language of the Jews at the time of Jesus. Aramaic was the language of Babylon. They had been captive in Babylon for 70 years back in 400 BC. And so when they, when the Jews came back from Babylon and resettled in the land of Palestine, resettled in Jerusalem, they spoke Aramaic instead of Hebrew. Aramaic is close to Hebrew, but it's not Hebrew. It's Aramaic, and so Jesus was speaking to Paul in Aramaic. He's speaking to Paul in the language of the common Jews of the time, which I think is kind of interesting. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, the other accounts talk about how the others with him heard the voice, but they couldn't make out what was being said. Paul heard it, and Jesus says, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. That's kind of new in this account. It's not in the other accounts. Verse 15, Paul says, Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness 
of what you have seen and what you will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them, I think to the Gentiles, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So we get a lot of stuff in this account that Jesus said to Paul that we don't get in the other accounts. I find it interesting that Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Uh, Because it's one of those passages that's all in the other accounts as well. It's one of those passages that shows that Jesus views his people as himself, his body, his his own self. And so to how we treat other Christians is how we are treating Jesus himself. And I think it's also a passage that points out that Jesus in some way experiences our sufferings as his people. In some way, he so identifies with us because we are in Christ and Christ is in us that he experiences what we experience. So to persecute a Christian in Paul's sense was to persecute Jesus. So Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads, he says. That's a phrase that's kind of weird, and we read it and we kind of move on because we don't quite get it. But it's an agricultural reference when when shepherds or livestock farmers want to guide animals. They use a stick that has a kind of a poke or a spear at the end of it uh, so that it would prod animals through a bit of pain it would prod animals to do what the shepherd or the or the uh, livestock owner uh, wants them to do. And in this situation, Jesus is using that as a metaphor to say, look, I'm in charge. And if you fight me, it's going to be hard. You can't fight me. You can't win. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Reality is always going to win. I'm always going to win. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then he says to Paul, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a witness of what you've seen. So the the witness of seeing the resurrected Jesus, the glorified Jesus shining brighter than the sun, and of what you will see of me. Jesus will appear to Paul more times than this, and Paul was a witness of his resurrection and a witness of not just this situation that the others with him uh, to some degree experienced, but other situations where Jesus will appear to Paul. And I'm appointing you... I'm going to rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. Ultimately, he's not going to rescue. He's ultimately is going to be executed by the Roman emperor at some point, many years down the road. But he's going to have decades of ministry. And Jesus says, I'm sending you to them. And this is what part is so fascinating to me. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Then that's a mouthful. That's a lot. But it's interesting because I think this is one of those really important passages, perhaps one of the most important passages in the entire Bible that tells us what the whole thing is. In many ways, this is the gospel. This is a summary. This is the main point. This is what's happening. This is what the whole behind-the-scenes reality is that's taking place in this world that Jesus saw that when we are not following Christ, when we are not following Jesus, when we don't have faith in him, that we are under the power of Satan. There's something going on in this world. The drama of this world we live in has a drama that is seen, and it's a drama that's unseen. And we're told all throughout the Bible this drama, very little about it, but enough about it to know that in some way, 
there are angelic type beings, spiritual type beings that are in rebellion against God, against Yahweh, against the I am. This is a drama that's been going on for thousands of years. And in some way, the human story is inside of this cosmic drama that's taking place in the spiritual realm. There are a lot of passages that Jesus talks about this when he talks about, um, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, but don't rejoice that you have power and authority over demons, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That Jesus, every now and then, alludes to this battle. He talks about the prince of this world being defeated and Jesus taking back this world from the prince of this world being Satan. Other passages in the Bible talk about our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness in the spiritual realm. There's a lot of passages where Peter talks about our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Uh, James says to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are all kinds of passages that give us a little bit of glimpse, a little apocalypse, if you will, the, uh, the, the turning back of a curtain so we can see behind the scenes that the drama that our lives are taking place is not just in the scene, but in the unseen. So Jesus is really clear here that what is happening in the life of an unbeliever is like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the God of this age has blinded the hearts and minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel veiled their minds so that they can't see. And I think that's what Jesus is referring to here. I think Paul said that in Second Corinthians because of what Jesus says to him here, at least in part, that in some way, not believing in Christ is to not have our eyes open, but to, to be blind, to be spiritually blind. So Paul is being sent by Jesus to open the eyes of people through the gospel as he preaches the gospel that 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 the gospel Paul's preaching of the gospel has a spiritual element to it that the holy spirit is going to use to open the eyes of people and turn them from darkness to light turn them from the power of satan to god that's what's happening in this spiritual drama that we're in if you, if you put it that way it shows how serious it sobers me it gives me a sense of gravity of what is taking place in all my encounters with people. All of my encounters that involve blindness and seeing, opened eyes and eyes unable to see. People being under the darkness and people being in the light. People being under the power of Satan and people being under the power of God. And there, there is this sense darkness, light, Satan, God. This is sort of the dividing line of the spiritual struggle that our lives are in. And it helps me to think of it that way because I'm never alone. I might think I'm alone and I might think that if I sin, nobody sees. And yet Jesus is saying, and the scriptures teach everywhere, that that's not the case. That I'm in the drama. I'm in the arena of a spiritual struggle. Angels are with me, demonic powers, and there's a power of Satan that is trying to influence me. There's, there's a darkness that's trying to influence me, and I want to be somebody whose eyes are opened that I would turn from darkness to light, that I would choose light instead of darkness.
So it's not just really me only choosing to obey God or not. I mean, it is that, but that choice is in the context of another struggle between spiritual forces and God. And that choice, it matters. I'm part of the drama. I'm part of the arena. And will I choose darkness or will I choose light? Will I choose the authority? That's the Greek word, the authority of Satan, the power of Satan. Will I choose the authority of Satan, the power of Satan, or will I choose God? And even though Jesus is here talking about, in some sense, someone becoming a believer, I think that that the way Jesus is describing reality always takes place in our life. We're either uh, blinded in some sense and living in darkness and under the power of Satan, or we're, or we're having our eyes opened by the Holy Spirit. I think that happens through Scripture. I think that happens through times like these that we're doing in a bigger life where we're getting into the Scriptures, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, we're deepening our sense of the knowledge of God through what the Holy Spirit does in opening our eyes and our hearts to turn us from darkness to light, to move us from the power of Satan to God. I don't think that's a one-time thing. I mean, I think it is in some sense. You're either a Christian or you're not. You're either in Christ or you're not. Christ is either in you or he's not. But I think that there's a, a there's kind of an ongoing drama of that in, in, in some way in our lives, even as Christians. So Jesus says to Paul, I'm sending you to speak in such a way, to preach the gospel in such a way, this gospel that has power. It's the power of God. Paul says... And I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says in Romans 1, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all those who believe. There's a power in the gospel Paul believed because of these words of Jesus. There's a power in it for salvation, just like Jesus is talking here, that the Holy Spirit uses. And so I want, as I read the scriptures, to have the power of the gospel open my eyes. As I read the scripture, I want Jesus to do what it says in Luke 24 that he did. He opened their mind to understand the scriptures the resurrected Jesus did, and I want the resurrected Jesus to do that through the Holy Spirit in my life now, to open my mind, to open my eyes, that I would understand the scriptures and that I would turn a little bit more from darkness to light. That's a powerful image, right? That's a lot of imagination. Jesus uses highly imaginative language here of open eyes versus blindness, of turning from darkness to light turning from the power of Satan to God. This is the drama my life is in. This is the arena that my choices are made within. They matter. They're a big deal. And Jesus says, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place. And that word place in the Greek is a word that means inheritance. It's this inheritance that Paul is talking about. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you would know the riches of his inheritance to which he's called you. And so this is a thing where our inheritance as in Christ and Christ in us is this whole story of the Bible, that we will reign on earth with Christ when he returns, this inheritance that is forever. We will eat from the tree of life again, it says in Revelation, drink from streams of water. These are highly imaginative pictures. And Jesus is talking about an imaginative picture here when he talks about receiving a place, receiving an inheritance among those who are sanctified, those who are holy, made holy by faith in me. Now, we're made holy by the sacrifice of Christ once for all, Hebrews 10 says, and we receive that forgiveness through faith in Christ. 
This is an ongoing struggle. So the Bible is always talking about those who endure. And Jesus says those who endure to the end will be saved. And Jesus is constantly talking in Revelation about the need to conquer, the need to, to endure so that we receive this promise. And so we don't want to take it for granted. We don't want to sit and say, yeah, I've done that, no big deal. We want to experience the gravity of this passage, that this is still a drama that's unfolding in my life, that I would turn, that I would have my eyes open continually and continually turn from darkness to light, continually turn from the power of Satan to God so that I may in the end ultimately receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are being made holy, who have been made holy and being made holy, Hebrew says, by faith, by trust, by allegiance to Christ. So it's a big deal where we are in our heart. It's a big deal that in our heart, we're wanting to be in the light. In our heart, we're wanting to move from the power of Satan to God. That we don't see sin as just something we can tame and control and we can eat the fruit as long as we don't eat too much fruit from the forbidden tree, but that we would see the tree is forbidden, that we would understand the stakes and that we would understand the drama that our lives are in and be sobered by it. And that we would constantly want our eyes open, turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that we, in the end, like I said, may be confident that we have our sins forgiven. Now, you know, I've always said we need to be confident that we have our sins forgiven because we're in Christ, Christ is in us, and there is a, there's a sense in which that is a confidence we need to have. But that confidence is never given to those who are not really serious about it. The Bible never gives assurance to those who are sort of content to walk in the darkness, content to follow the lives of Satan, content to be in blindness as if it's no big deal because they're saved. That's never a promise the Bible gives to anyone. So this passage has always motivated me. I I, I want to continue. I want to continue in what Jesus says here to open my eyes, have my eyes opened by the scriptures, have my eyes opened by the gospel, have my eyes opened by the Holy Spirit, that I would continually keep turning from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that I would experience the forgiveness of my sins and the inheritance that the forgiveness is the means to. The forgiveness is not the end, it's the means to the inheritance, this being with Christ, being in his presence, the forever God being our God forever. This is all part of this drama that our lives are in. And that the key here is by faith in me, Jesus says. I want to continue to keep my faith in Jesus. I want to continue to keep my allegiance to him. I want to continue to trust in his promises, in his presence, in his power. And I want to live my life with the seriousness of the drama that my life is really in. That's why Paul keeps talking this kind of language in his epistles. That's why Peter does it. That's why the Bible does it everywhere. This is highly imaginative language. And God wants us, I think, to use our imagination when we read this. What comes to your mind when you think that it's hard for you to kick against the goads? Does something in your life come to mind? Does your life come to mind in some way that you're trying to kick against the goads of Jesus? You're trying to resist the authority of Jesus, the kingship of Jesus in your life, the lordship of Jesus in your life. You're trying to resist it, but you live in his universe. There's no other place to go. 
There's no other plan. What comes to your mind when you think it's hard for you to kick against the goads? What do you want to say to Jesus? What comes to your mind when you think of darkness versus light, turning from darkness to light? What comes to your mind when you think of darkness? What's the darkness in your life? What areas of darkness are you comfortable in? You enjoy being in? You keep turning to? Rather than the light? What comes to your mind when you think of turning to the light, walking in the light, choosing the light? What comes to your mind when you think of turning from the power of Satan to God? What areas of your life do you think that you're in some way choosing the lies of Satan? You know they're not the promises of God. You know it's not the commands of God. You're choosing in some way to live under the authority of Satan in some area, perhaps. What comes to your mind, if anything? What comes to your mind when you think of having an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ? This glory, this light. What comes to your mind when you think of Jesus shining brighter than the sun? What comes to your mind when you think of faith in Jesus? Being sanctified by faith in Him. Receiving an inheritance because you're being sanctified by faith in Him. Receiving forgiveness of sins and an inheritance because you're being sanctified by faith in Him. This is imaginative language. What comes to your imagination when you think of these things? And so let's take a moment now, and what I've often benefited from is using this passage to pray through it, to just declare in prayer what I want God to do in me through His Holy Spirit, through His Holy Word. And let's do that now. Let me lead you in a time of prayer through this passage to help us let this sober us and let this passage lead us in praying for the things that really matter, the things that are so important, and so that we can pray in a way that's informed by the Holy Spirit's Word, by the Scriptures, and pray Scripture back to God. Let me lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, you shine brighter than the sun in your glory, your glory that is forever, and you say in John 17 that you want those who believe in you to be with you where you are to see your glory. This is your desire for us to be with you in your kingdom when you return to earth and to see your glory, to glory in your glory that shines brighter than the sun. And you say that those who are in the kingdom of your father will shine like the sun. There's something to this, this glory that is blinding to us now, but will be in some way, and I know this is imaginative language in lots of ways, but I think some parts of it are, are literal, that there will be a light, there will be a brightness, there will be a glory to our existence and our resurrected bodies, just like Jesus was brighter than the sun to Paul. And I pray, Jesus, that this would be my destiny, that you would open my eyes, that I would see because it's hard to kick against the goads. It's hard to resist reality. 
And the reality is you are king forever. The reality is you reign forever. The reality is you are coming again. And the reality is I don't get to create my own universe. I live inside your universe. And this really, really matters. So I pray that you would open my eyes, continue to open my eyes more and more. That more and more I would turn from darkness to light, from sin to obedience, from the power of Satan to God. That I would turn to you in all the light of your scripture, the light of your promises, the light of your presence. That I would not flirt with the lies of Satan as if I can control how much fruit that I eat rather than realizing I'm eating from the entire tree. That I would not take it lightly. That I would not take your promises for granted. But that I would turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to you, God. Because you are the source of life. You are the source of all that exists. I live for you. I exist for you. I exist unto you, and I will stand before you one day, and you will shine brighter than the sun, and I don't want to be fooled by the darkness. I don't want to be fooled by the lies of Satan who disguises himself as an angel of light, Paul says. But I pray that you would forgive me of all my sins and that I would be in that inheritance, that you would give me the inheritance of all those who are in Christ. I want to be sanctified. I want to be made holy. I want to have a life more and more of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control because I want to be filled by your Holy Spirit and I want to walk in the light and truth, and goodness, and beauty, and the transcendence of your presence around me at all times, that I would be sanctified, that I would be made holy more and more, because I want to believe your promises. I pray that you would give me greater trust in you, belief in you, that I would walk with you in the light of life, that I would align myself with you, I want to align myself with you instead of kicking against the goads. I want to align myself with you instead of thinking it's okay to be interested in the lies of Satan. I want to align myself with you instead of walking in the darkness, walking by the darkness, flirting with the darkness. I want to choose the light. I pray that you would open my eyes to understand your scriptures and that your scriptures would be a light in my soul, in my life, because I want to have greater faith, greater trust, greater allegiance to you, because you are Lord Jesus, King Jesus, you are the Christ. I thank you that you have given me faith in your scriptures. I thank you that you have given me your gospel. I pray that you would not let it be stolen from me like the birds who snatched the seed from the rocky soil or like the thorns and weeds that choked the word because of the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. 
I pray that instead that I would bear fruit that remains and multiplies 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, that I would be sanctified by faith in you and receive the place, the inheritance, the glory of those who are in Christ when Christ returns, that my life would be hidden with Christ in God and that Christ, who is my life, when he appears, that I would appear with you in glory. This is my prayer. This is my desire. This is my longing. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and keep me in your grip. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.